Against All Odds is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it, and you must be 21 or older. Podcast Network powered by Omaha Audio. Cousin South coming to you. Yes, Tuesday morning. As far as you know, we're taping this in advance. Mikey Meatballs fiddling with the knobs. Babyface Joel Solomon producing this disaster of a show. And joining me as always, my wizard of wagering, my guru of gambling, my baron of betting, my overlord of the odd, Harry. What's happening, Harry? What's going on, Sal? How's everything? <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I, I got a little uh, confused there because it's usually the degenerate trifecta with Brother Brian, Darren, the parlay kid. But you know what happened? You took so many days off in the last three weeks. God knows why. Following Bruce Springsteen, they're like, hey, give us a day off. I said, well, that's the least we could do. Give them a day off. And uh, it's just me and you. And we have a very special guest. I'm actually really looking forward to this. It's our unofficial slash official state of gambling. We did this last June with our guest. Let's bring him in. He's a former odds maker, turned co-founder of Bet the Board podcast, analyst for CBS HQ and NHL Puck Line. And most importantly, he finished in third place in season three of Fox <laughs> Bet Live. My good pal Todd Furman is here. What's happening, Furman? You know, I can tell the level of importance of this podcast, Sal, not only because you invite me on, but everybody else gets a day off. Harry fills in as a place filler. And because you yeah. own and operate this entire platform, you're given no days off throughout the course of the calendar year. Thank you. Yes, you're like, in this instance, you're the substitute teacher, I guess. So what what movie should we show? What movie did you like in school when the, the substitute would come in? You know, I'm, tr- there, I'm trying to think back. I mean, honestly, I think I had more substitute teachers in my Hebrew school days than I did in grade school, Sal. And it just right? felt like they showed us different claymation movies about Jewish holidays. And as you know all too well, every Jewish holiday consists of a couple simple <laughs> things. It's what people tried to kill us at any point during history, whether it's the Egyptians, you know, the Persians, the list goes (laughs) on and on. And then it's commiserating about all the whining that takes place about how bland Jewish food is in the grand scheme of things. So, you know, when you get to watch a claymation video of what Passover (laughs) is, I mean, those are clearly the days you celebrate in Hebrew school. Absolutely. And worse than anything you just set up, you can't bet on any of it, right? There's no gambling on any of the props on Jewish holidays, as far as I could tell. At least. I mean, look, you know, honestly, though, for Hanukkah, you can gamble if you're playing a little bit of dreidel. So it depends what kind of family mm-hmm. you're in, how high the stakes will get. And, you know, eventually right. when I get invited to the Iacono Hanukkah party, we'll be able to hustle Harry <laughs> with the one sided dreidel because he doesn't speak Hebrew and has no idea exactly what any of the symbols mean. You know, you're right. That might be that might be my next win, my next and only win of the season. But anyway, uh, you won big. Congratulations. Since we last had you on the pod, you beat the odds and are now married. Are you still married? I shouldn't have jumped the gun there. You Is that still going on? I mean, from what I was told, you were setting it over under along with Clay and Rachel Bennett at your table in terms of how long the marriage would last. So if you honestly <laughs> set a number as soft as 25 and a half days, you'd be able to cash that particular prop. Bet. But yes. I finally made an honest woman of Nicole who you guys encouraged to leave me high and dry going all the way back to the first season of Fox bet live. I really thought finishing behind you in the standings was going to be the straw that broke the camel's back. But alas, (laughs) she feels more comfortable knowing she's the sports gambling expert in this household rather than me. 
I love it. And yes, we did encourage her to leave you in season one when you could not be beaten. I mean, you were we were like this guy. We need to rattle his cage a little. But nonetheless, years later, many, many years later, you did uh, make an honest woman of her. And I was there and I commented to you that it was the fanciest Gamblers Anonymous meeting I've ever been to. <laughs> I mean, everyone was dressed up. But um, aside from that, you had parlay card. You actually had parlay cards with all different events. People do this. You know, they say they're going to do it, but you actually had cards printed up with um with props with wedding props how many rap songs would be played i can't remember how long the best man's speech would be would someone fall over i think that's where i lost i, I picked that the flower girl would trip at some point i, I mean and look, so uh the, I lost. the flower yeah. girl did go rogue i mean my little niece could not handle the pressure uh, of walking down the aisle with that many guests that were there. Sal, imagine if Harry was in attendance, she would have run for the hills and she would have been so scared <laughs> to see Harry dressed right. up in a giant clown suit in some capacity. But uh, no, the prop bets, the prop bets were fun. We wanted to make Where sure that we now? were, <laughs> we were yeah, somewhat yeah, tasteful uh, in one capacity or another. The only unfortunate part with those parlay cards is we never went through the proper grading. I have no idea if anybody was actually taking uh, book uh, on mm -hmm. some of those numbers throughout the course of the evening, but it was definitely a necessary wrinkle when we thought about different unique ways for us to stay on brand. I would have graded them for sure. I just said, I asked a few people and like, yeah, just put it when you're done, sign it and put it on the table. And then I noticed a lot of people hadn't signed them. And I'm like, oh, you're going to lose your gambling license here if this is a legit thing and you're not paying off uh, winners. But anyway, uh, Harry's been there before. Listen, <laughs> speaking of, uh, let's talk about the state of sports gambling and the books. I think I asked you a year ago at this time. What do you think is going to happen? You know, well, first of all, I should say we're probably going to see some things that are going to get us in trouble. At least me. We're represented by Caesars. We have fun with them. Uh, they're good to us. But we're going to be honest, Furman, you and I have a text chain and we talk about this stuff all the time. Um, consolidation where it's going to lead us in three years, five years. By the way, we're recording this on a Friday. This is going to post on Tuesday. Points bet. Um we thought was bought by fanatics and then DraftKings <laughs> came over the top. Now this will resolve itself maybe by Tuesday, by the time it, it uh, posts, but um, this is a bizarre move, right? This uh, you didn't expect this, did you? No, not at all. I mean, you're right. We've talked about this at great lengths and we thought consolidation was coming, trying to figure out who the biggest players were going to be in the space. You mentioned Caesars. I think their brand is strong enough that it'll withstand the test of time. Uh, you look at MGM, I think they're very much entrenched in the sports betting space, knowing all of the money and how they work hand in hand with their Entain group. You look at DraftKings, FanDuel, and of course, Fanatics, who originally was the previous buyer of the points bet tech and everything else that came along with it before DraftKings tried to throw their hat in the ring. So I think those are the five players that if we were having this discussion two or three years down the road are still going to very much be in the thick of things. Now, in terms of some of the regional operators that are out there, there's some unique entities like Circa that has a different risk management philosophy that's going to move into you know, some states gradually. You look at you know Superbook Sports, an entrenched institution out here in Nevada uh, that's in a couple of states as well. So I think you'll see some of the other players, but they're going to try and gobble up smaller percentages in terms of overall market share instead of the five big players that seem to just print money regardless of the economic conditions when it comes to acquiring players and 
talent uh, and B-list media personalities that know nothing about talking about sports uh, gambling. <laughs> and that's not even a dig at Harry. There are people a lot worse out there, Sally, talking sports betting than Harry. Being really? marketed as true professionals. Wow. <laughs> I, nice. I, I find that hard to believe. I really do. Um, but, you know, you say they're printing money, and I don't even know why I'm doing this, but I do have to defend some of the books because the states have made it, um, I don't want to say impossible to make money, but very difficult, right, to uh, keep their heads above water and compete. Yeah, it's getting just significant. in their taxing. It, yes. It's getting Sorry. significantly more difficult. And I think state by state, when you look at the various tax rates that are out there, obviously the costs are not going to fall entirely on the shoulders of the operator. They're going to pass those along to the consumer. And for consumers that aren't price sensitive, they're not going to notice a difference in terms of the traditional 11 to 10 that they've grown accustomed to when it comes to betting football every Sunday during the fall. Suddenly it becomes minus 111, minus 112, or your favorite number, Sal, and minus 118. That, that will see on both sides of the equation. And I think that's the scariest part about all of this, because as you start to eat into consumers' bankroll, and as some of the players out there get to be a little bit more cognizant of what exactly that means, well, what does it do in the grand scheme of things? It pushes people to the offshore markets that are much more competitive. It pushes people back to some of their corner bookmakers. And it almost feels like we've done a full you know, 360 kind of going through the different iterations and evolutions of legalized sports betting, ultimately getting us back to square one. Now, I don't know how long that'll take, but that's my biggest fear, despite how optimistic I was when we got that repeal of pass by what, five plus years ago at this point. Yeah. And it's funny you say uh, minus 110 as the standard. When Harry and I were betting up in college uh, 137 years ago, it was six to win five. The um, That's how much the bookie in town, by the way, that was that was not legal back then. Um, uh, six to win five. And Harry's brother, I don't know. You've met Harry's brother, right? I, ha Scott? I have, but he didn't bring me an onion from the onion farm. So <laughs> him and I could potentially be on the outs. Well, I think it's because he's lost too many six to win five bets. But anyway, <laughs> when he would win a six to win five, he would count that in his as plus 11. And so he's the happiest guy really in, in the world. Right? I mean, imagine, that, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. You, can you beat that Furman? No. Can you beat some sense into it? I mean, maybe? look, there's people that want to try and do all sorts of different things that conflate <laughs> their balance sheets in the grand scheme of things. And it reminds me about my time in college guys where, uh, you know, I had a bu buddy in my fraternity who used to look at breaking even as a win for the weekend. He goes, I could really use the money. I hope I break even this weekend <laughs> and instead of burning through all of his cash. But I think that's the scariest part in all of this, because you wonder how long it's truly sustainable. I mean, you guys see it first and foremost, and this isn't a shot at any of the operators out there, the influx of the single game parlay, which is essentially the sports betting equivalent of playing Keno uh, on a week in mm -hmm. week out basis. And you wonder when these operators are going to overfish the pond, because if people are having negative experiences with their sports betting or don't feel that they can win or even provide a mm -hmm. level of entertainment for themselves, will they keep coming back? And what does the business model begin to look like there? So I think that's the $100 million question that all of these operators have to try and figure out. I mean, yes, you want to shake people down and you want to get as big a share of wallet as you possibly can. But, you know, going back to my time behind the counter at Caesars, I mean, you look at the state of Nevada and historical hold was in that six to seven percent range. If that with all the parlay cards and everything else. Now you're seeing some of these states report, especially the states that are newer to the game, 12 percent, 13 percent. I mean, the, those numbers are astronomical and it just speaks to the level of game mix and some of the lack of sophistication from new players that are entering the betting space.
But okay, so let me because you and I, I don't want to say we disagree with this, but you are you're very upset about the same game parlays. And um, I want to say, but could it be because they're taxed so much? Right. So like when gas prices are raised, right, it's not going to be the trucker who's hauling radishes who's going to take it on the chin. Right. They're going to raise their price of radishes or whatever. Yep. Right. So is that what's going on here? So is that why it went from 6% to 12% because you're not factoring in the taxes? Because first of all, Harry and I love these same game parlays. We would uh, be of course, lost of course without you, them. Of course you do. Yes. You, guys, you guys are the poster children for same game parlays. So I mean, <laughs> for, the, for the record, Todd, I got during yeah. these NBA playoffs, I just got murdered. Murdered in the yeah. Murdered. Murdered. Yes, but, hey, but you Sal, look I'm at not it. Gonna why would you bet Patrick Mahomes I'm not over two Harry and a half touchdown that. passes when you could get him for over one and a half touchdown passes? It just looks better, right? I like the money line parlays. I like the I like the same game parlays. But I, I know I know it's a sucker bet. I, I, you know, I, for the most part, but kind of gambling is, isn't it? Well, here's here's the whole thing with same game parlays. And you know what? I mean, look, I'm not gonna fault any operator for putting those out there for player consumption because I'll get you a story that kind of puts things in context for me and my background in table games long before sports gambling factor into the equation in a second. Look, if they're offering products that the consumer wants, then, you know, that's what you should be doing as a good business. You sell the right product mm. to the right consumer at the right price, whether it's radishes, whether it's a loaf of bread, whether it's a six pack of beer or whatever else it may be. My biggest gripe with the same game parlays is the lack of transparency that's out there in terms of how they're necessarily calculating some of these odds. And when you look at the marketing that's going on, yes, it, it's a shame to let a sucker keep his or her money when they come and sit down at the poker table the same way. But I can't tell you how many different illustrations of these same game parlays I've seen where they're offering them on the homepage for the website and sell. The odds are worse than just betting the money line that's one leg in the three games right. that are actually being factored in. So maybe that's where my biggest problem and gripe come in with all this stuff. But going back to my time uh, at Caesars, I mean, not with Caesars, by the way, no, not no, with no, Caesars. I haven't seen it from Caesars. Everybody else. Oh my God. Everybody, but not Caesars, but yes, I just wanted to make that clear. Yeah, but from, going back to your from time. my time at Caesars, look, we ran tests all the time and it wasn't on sports betting. It was on the blackjack side. So what we did is we set up blackjack tables with good, rules for the player with three to two blackjack. And then we'd have six to five blackjack adjacent to it. And you try and run mm -hmm. the math on that. But there were a couple other bells and whistles that we often, you know, employed with it. It was at the sure. time where party pits were getting started. Now, of course, you see the proliferation of dealers that are half naked everywhere across Las Vegas and whatever else it may be. But we were giving out stuffed animals, beads, used decks of cards, you know, all <laughs> sorts of crap that cost us no money. But you were able to create an atmosphere. You were able to create a buzz. And you were giving the player an inferior value proposition at six to five blackjack. But what we could do there, because of the math working in our favor at six to five, we could offer lower limits. So it was a Friday mm -hmm. night at Bally's. I'd have two tables next to each other. One table, very good limits, but the minimum at the table was $25. The other table was 10 or $15. Guess what tables filled up faster and people ignored the other tables like they had leprosy or the plague. People wanted a lower limit game. It was higher hold for the Six house. Five. So it was shame on yeah. us not to give players what they were looking for there. And I think it speaks to a larger concern in the ecosystem that maybe is not incumbent on the operators, but more so on the players to understand the ramifications of their decisions, understand the math. And even if you're a $10 better, you're $50 better, or you're $1,000 better, the crappier odds you bet into, the faster it's going to erode your bankroll. I'm fine with that. I agree with every word you said. I don't think people care. Maybe your no, studies. I, agree with you. I think that's the bottom that line. Don't. I flat like, out don't think yes, people care yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. And that's the reason that we see a lot of this stuff. 
But again, it does beg the question, you know, how can you talk about predatory betting and or responsible gaming out of one side of your mouth and continue to offer products like this? And we can obviously get into the NFL and all the show they're dealing with as well. Yeah, we and we will uh, in a second if, if we can. But yes, um, uh, by the way, I, it made me think, Harry, remember I t- checked into the Continental Hotel probably um, oh, 25 years sure. ago more. They give you they give you a free ace. Oh, my God. That was the great. And it's big, too. Mm-hmm. It's the size of like an eight by 10 uh, piece of paper, but it was a card firm. And you ever see this like they give you a free ace and you just sit down. I don't think you could have bet more than uh, $5 on it, though, is the thing. Is so that can, the deal, Harry? You can it use it at it any been, point. It might have been, been 20 It might have been. Was it 20 Maybe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good deal. Right, Furman? Hey, Give everyone I, a free ace. I mean, look, you take advantage of some of the promos that are out there, and there's books now. Uh, I mean, not books. Uh, casinos now with uh, you know promo cash and different offers. There are ways for people to game the system the other way, just the same way that the house wants to try and put themselves in the best mm-hmm. position to make money off their customer base long-term for sure. By the way, yes. And uh, I think with Blackjack specifically, and you live there, so you know better, I just feel like there's no tables open. I think Take some tables away and put whatever limit you want on there, and those tables have to fill up. Whether the guy wants to play $25, the $10 player is forced to play $25 tables because there's no room. Is this is just this just in my head, or is, it, is that just a tack that... Uh, that some of these casinos I mean, have employed. It, it all depends. I mean, I know you don't like to rub elbows with the riffraff. So when you're out here, you're a Caesar's yes. palace or a wind guy, you're not heading to places, you know, where Harry and I go like Imperial palace, the Tropicano okay. casino Royale, where we can get $2 Michelob ultras to go along with, you know, $5 blackjack to keep us in business a little bit longer, but there's no <laughs> doubt. I mean, it's supply and demand when you're looking at tables, especially blackjack. If it's a Friday night in a high profile casino, they can charge a premium compared to what you would be looking at in a Tuesday afternoon. If you wanted to go down there at six 30 in the morning, but again, it's all about the rules as much as anything else. I mean, we offered one of the most competitive blackjack games in the entire city in the high limit pit at Caesars where the math for an optimal player was basically 0.26, but customers have Mm -hmm. to seek that out. They have to be willing to put it in the homework and understand where they're going to be able to get their most bang for the buck. But I think it all goes back to what you guys said. The player flat out doesn't care more often than not. So why is a sports book or a casino operator going to just give away the farm if their player's behavior isn't telling them that they need to? Well, uh, yes, and we can move on from this, but isn't the lottery, the Powerball, whatever, the only research anyone needs to do? Like, they they will, of course, much like the same game parlay, promote, oh, wow, the winners. This guy put $5 down on the same game parlay and won $17,000. It's kind of like the lottery, right? Is it any less responsible by doing it when the sports books do it? Versus when the state does it in a lottery fashion? No, I mean, I guess, you know, when you create it that way, uh, there is a lot of similarities there for sure. I I mean, I think, you know, when you look at the lottery, you have an idea of what was actually bet into the pool, though, at least for the most part. So, you know exactly what kind of money's out there. Whereas for Mm -hmm. people, when you're looking at some of these same game parlays and we see the banners, oh, X number of people's bet into this. Well, okay, were those the same odds? You know, what other things factor into it? And I think, you know, the lottery from a standpoint of, look, nobody really knows. Well, I shouldn't say nobody. People know the math. They know the odds. But there are plenty of people like some of my buddies who are convinced that it's a 50-50 proposition to win the lottery. And I say (laughs) it facetiously. They go, I either win the lottery or I lose the lottery. So it's a two outcome (laughs) game. And it's 50% no different than betting football. Math wizards at home and people that are aspiring mathematicians, uh, the math yeah. behind that is inherently flawed. I don't say it's that seriously. <laughs> so I don't want to actually get roasted and raked over the coals for it. 
Harry's mother, God rest her soul, used to. Harry, do you remember she'd send me money because I lived downstate and you lived in oh, upstate yeah. New York? And she noticed that a lot of the lottery winners were from New York City and downstate, maybe not taking into account the fact that that it's uh, much more densely populated in the I, big I was city say, than oh, it yeah. is a swig up. Yeah, yeah. I have to yeah. imagine a few more lottery tickets were purchased uh, down there in Manhattan <laughs> than were purchased in Binghamton. Right. Yeah. There you go. All right. Listen, uh, let's take a break real quick. And I do want to talk about players gambling and stuff like that and futures. And uh, we have Todd Furman here. Oh, we, let's say some nice things about Caesars and we'll return. <laughs> Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns reward credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using code Omaha full and then place your first bet up to twelve hundred and fifty dollars. If you win, great. You keep those winnings. But if you lose, you'll get your stake back as a bonus bet. Twenty one and older only offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 or more wagers only. Must register with eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet is $1,250. The bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See Caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, it's 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text H-O-P-E-N-Y. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. 
Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. All right, Furman, we're coming off the uh, Las Vegas nights. Now, I said we're recording this on a Friday. Is the parade today? Uh, parade is on Saturday, and smartly, they're going to start the parade at 7 o'clock at night so people won't get absolutely roasted during the blistering heat. So they're going to stop it. Oh, to, wow. Stop wow. it to Sheba Plaza, make a you know whole big deal about the whole thing. And they're encouraging people, though, to get out there about 8 to 10 hours before it starts if they want to have a prime spot. Oh. I will not be one of those uh, loyal Golden Knights fans willing to go out there and partake in the shenanigans, give up my full Saturday. You have, uh, well, first of all, you don't like people or celebrating with people, Correct. so I understand that. But you do have a stake in this, uh, like a season ticket, right? Do you have a hold or you just get get one you want to go? No, I do have a uh, season ticket. It's been a season ticket holder since yeah. their inaugural season back in year one. And uh, let me tell you, mm -hmm. boys, uh, as a season ticket holder, winning gets expensive, not because of what they <laughs> jack up the tickets for the playoffs, but because if you want to put a competitive product out there, uh, the tickets and the face value on my regular season tickets are up about three and a half X from the first wow. season. And I believe the golden Knights at last check were one of the top five, most expensive tickets in the NHL uh, in terms of overall game day experience. All right. So this leads me to this argument we have. I think we're all on one side and Dave Damashek's on the other. And he thinks a team should, a franchise, a city should have to suffer for 30, 35 years, I guess more because Florida and, um, who else? Carolina. When Florida squared off against Carolina, one had been around for 25 years, the other 30. He basically only likes it when an original six team, even though he's a <laughs> Penguins fan, uh, is in the finals. And he thinks it's bad for hockey. And I was on his side a little bit in terms of it is not great for hockey when the eight beats the one. And certainly after the Bruins demise, I, I don't want to hear about any great regular season runs from now on. But I've, I've now come around. I don't think anything's going to lift NHL to the next level. I also don't think any run of bad finals matchups can sink it. It's that kind of sport. Where do you fall on this? argument? Yeah, I mean, look, if you look at the, some of the ratings numbers for what the Panthers and Golden Knights did, it wasn't exactly shattering uh, TNT's mm -hmm. expectations year over year in terms of what ESPN was able to produce there. So clearly when you have some of those power franchises there, I think the cachet you know, raises a little bit. And, you know, if the NHL is handpicking, they love nothing more than to get teams like the Rangers, the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Blackhawks back to a level of relevance. Uh, and some of those original six teams that Dave really likes. But the overall landscape of the NHL, I think is interesting because there are fan bases that feel that teams should have to build that scar tissue and accumulate it before they have a chance to win. But I think as the league continues to expand its footprint and whether it's getting into Salt Lake City, whether it's relocating the Coyotes to Houston or putting a team back in Atlanta for the hundredth time, the faster that you can put a good competitive product out there on the ice allows non-traditional hockey markets to buy into it. I mean, this is a town where Vegas had to wait 15 to 20 years for this team to be relevant. I mean, you'd probably be able to roll a bowling ball through T-Mobile on a Tuesday night in front of 1500 fans, but because they won so quickly, Suddenly, you know, you have a fan base that's interested. You see an uptick in youth participation in rinks, and it becomes a hockey town similar to what you've seen in Nashville and Carolina, albeit slightly different curves in Carolina, a little bit of a different example, because that was a relocation more than anything else. But I think, you know, this provides a blueprint, in my opinion, where you have to try and make these expansion teams competitive. 
And if the NBA is out there watching Major League Baseball, should they go through it again in the NFL at some point? You want these new markets to feel like they have connection and not feel absolutely hopeless. Because I want to say when it came to, you know, the Grizzlies and the Raptors, there were salary cap constraints that they put on those teams that they weren't able to get to the full cap. They had to work a couple of years. There were draft pick limitations. Uh, And I just don't think that works in the what have you done for me TikTok world that we live in. Now, right. where people's attention span lasts about 15 seconds and you're out of sight, out of mind. So if you put a shit product yeah. out there, it's not going to actually work out too well for anybody. Yeah. I'm sorry. I stopped listening. I have a, like an attention span of like 15 <laughs> seconds. I didn't hear like anything <laughs> that, you said that, after, That's what I figured. That normally is the case, Harry, when you start talking <laughs> well, about hockey anyways, Vassal. So. <laughs> right. But Todd, just curious, like what we've seen in six years, two, two finals appearances, one title now for Vegas. Uh, I, I guess that you can call that an anomaly for being six years only in getting what they've been able to accomplish. What do the coyotes in your opinion have to do? What should they just leave? I mean, look, here's the thing for me. I think Phoenix is a market that the NHL wants to be in long-term, but sometimes you almost have to go through hitting a reset button uh, on all of it. And I was stunned when they went through all, all of the, potential voting bills and the opportunities to put together a Tempe entertainment district. And those things were shot down. So whether that was the NHL grossly miscalculating along and with it the wasn't city, even close by the way, no, it and that's close. the thing. It, it wasn't a vote here or a vote there. I mean, it basically was the state and the city saying, Hey, look, we don't need this. And we could care less if you guys take your ball and go home. So I think ownership plays a big role in that as well. I mean, Bill Foley has been pretty outspoken, the owner of the golden Knights and said his goal was to have his first playoff appearance for the franchise in season three. They obviously exceeded that. And the whole prophecy from him was that they were going to win the Stanley cup in six years. And Foley's gone out there and spent money. He's committed resources in the community. Uh, And when you look at the players involvement here, they've relatively kept their nose clean. Like you haven't had all of the headaches and some of the scandals with the golden Knights players that we've already had in just a few years with the Raiders here and everything else. So in that regard, I think the city has latched onto them a lot faster as well. And they've taken some big swings. I mean, three coaches in six years, you know, people mm-hmm. love Gerard Gallant. They were surprised, myself included, that he was let go as quickly as he was for Peter DeBoer. Marc-Andre Fleury wins a Vezina, and they do everything they can to try and get him off the books as far as cap space. So they were willing to take wild swings to make this team competitive. And fortunately, with a little bit of good fortune, the Knights were able to uh, get over the hump and go out there and kind of run roughshod over the field in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And yeah. those series went seven games. And full disclosure here, guys, I actually bet them to miss the playoffs at a price right around three to one at the all. You did? So, <laughs> I didn't actually told us that. that I, I was didn't the actually yeah. see this coming. I thought they were taking on water and it was a roster that was going to be too banged up to compete. Shame wow. on me. Here I am uh, in the wake of a Stanley Cup win. Uh, they clearly made me eat my words. Well, you know, the flip side of that is I had uh, Jonathan Marcheseau uh, before the Stanley Cup to win the Conn Smythe at plus 550. And sadly, I think that's my biggest hit odds wise of the year. So, um, no, uh, no. no you, you can congratulate me anytime now. Yeah. Oh, but, all right. We'll, we'll congratulate you. Well, when yeah. you mean you play in 10 team money line parlays where you have to lay minus a dollar 30, it's right. tough to bring home a ticket of five to one. A dollar 30. I wish. Uh, yeah. I'm, just, I'm just disappointed, <laughs> yeah. Sal, that uh, you didn't have Marchi before the Stanley Cup playoffs even started. I, I think he went off at a price around 150 or 201 there. About 150. Man. That's what no. I saw. What is your biggest hit this year, odds wise? You don't have to say how much money you had on it or, um, or whatever. You know what? But. I'm trying to think. I mean, I've had some NASCAR stuff, you know, in that 10 to 15 to one range. That, that was out there. I mean, uh, last mm. weekend in golf, I uh, had Aaron Rye came in, you know, one stroke off the pace at a price right around 90 to one. But, you know, honestly, I don't typically have a ton of big flyers in, in my portfolio to try and land those things. So 
you know, for the most part, it's in that eight to 10 range. I mean, I'm not betting golf on a week in week out basis uh, to try mm, and have some of those big out. guys. What's come wrong home. with you? Uh, yeah, look, really. there are only so many hours in the day. And while you guys are chasing the dragon, I got to be here over here, getting myself ready for football season uh, to, to, <laughs> I know. To, to get things going. So, yeah, I mean, look, I'd love to say I had a 15 or 20 or 30 to one shot that yeah. came home to land for me. Uh, but nothing that crazy. I think Brooks Kepka probably now that I think about it in the PGA was the biggest, you know, right around 24 to one. Pretty good. Um, what's your, uh, because this is more, you know, this is more entertaining than the previous question I just asked. What's your biggest bed ache of the year of 2023 so far? Um, probably I call them bed. Aches. I would yeah. say probably, you know, coming back to the golden Knights, uh, I bet the Edmonton Oilers every which way for the Western conference to win the Stanley cup. I bet them to win the Pacific division at a ridiculous price, right? You know, right around 10 to one. And every time mm -hmm. I thought the Knights were going to come crashing back to earth, they found a way to end up getting the best of the Oilers yeah. and they end up nicking the Oilers by one point in the Pacific division standings when all the dust settled and I could trace it back to an overtime loss for when the golden Knights beat Edmonton four to three up there uh, with Nicholas Haig in front of the net and no base, no oiler anywhere in sight. But when you go through some of the stuff that's out there, <laughs> this is, you're, you're a sick man, by the way, you have season tickets to the Knights. You're betting against them. The whole town goes it's crazy. If they win the, the numbers, cup. Sal, it's all yeah. about the numbers. There are plenty of games. I'll go, I'll root for the Knights and have a ticket on the other side just because the numbers off. But you know me, I have no soul when it comes to all this but stuff. It, it, I'm emotionally it's the closest detached. thing to you having a team. It drives me crazy with Harry too, because in college, Harry used to love the Braves. He knew everything about the Atlanta Braves and was a passionate fan. Uh, why? It's inexplicable. Why? Because they had TBS up in Oswego or something. What was it? Yeah. Harry? It, I, I it, 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 okay. Yeah, in 82, yes. TBS came around and all of a sudden instead okay. of the Cubs, and the Yankees, all of a sudden, we had the Braves on TV. So it Braves. All right. I mean, same look, thing with the Giants, Sal, the New York Giants. Fortunately yeah. for me, I mean, I grew up and I used to come home from school and I'd watch the Mets on WOR back then. Oh, but my dad was nice. a, my dad was a Yankees fan and goes, we're absolutely not rooting for the Mets in the grand scheme oh, of things. No. I won't allow this in my household, but I did have an appreciation for Daryl Strawberry and Dwight Gooden. And well, then a he bigger saved appreciation you. He saved for those two. a lot two. of heartache. Yeah, you know, that's when, good. Well, when I knew what they got themselves into to go out there and compete on a day in day out basis. <laughs> at least he got uh yes he, he he probably steered you in the right direction by the way he's making some smart moves he's moving from phoenix he saw the hockey team's gone he's like i'm getting the hell out of here i'm going to vegas what a bandwagoner your yeah. dad is i think he's trying to latch on to our season tickets i haven't told him that he gets to pick one to two <laughs> games a year and the only games he might get to go to are the arizona coyotes when they make the trip in and you know, another team at the bottom of the standings because I can't give away tickets when they play the San Jose Sharks to save my life. So I think I'll send oh, my really? dad to those games as well. Those are his. Yep. Those got his name on it. Um, have you bet any NFL futures yet? I have uh, bet some win totals, played the Raiders under their win total at seven and a half. Not optimistic with the current structure of that roster. I think there's a better chance that this team, you know, decides to throw in the towel and completely tank to try and get them a franchise quarterback, whether it be Caleb Williams or Drake May. Should things break uh -huh. the right way? Um, played a little bit under on the New York Giants as well. Uh, I don't think this roster is built to compete even in a much maligned uh -huh. NFC. And they were extremely fortunate last year. I love Brian Dable, but I think it's you know two steps forward, one step back with that step back coming this season. And you know those are the two main pieces uh, that I have. Have a little bit on the Jags to win the AFC. And that's really about it, mainly because I think they could have an inside track to the number one seed in the conference. So 16 to one. Much like Tennessee there. did. Yeah. A couple it, of years ago. Exactly. Yeah. Do I think it happens? Probably yeah. not. I don't know if that roster is obviously as good 
as the Cincinnati Bengals, the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, Buffalo and a couple other teams. But if you're going to give me an mm. opportunity to potentially grab the one seed at 16 to one because they come out of a soft division, I figure there'll be an ample opportunity to earn off of that if everybody stays healthy. I love that you take unders. I love the unders in the NFL, the player props specifically and running backs even more specifically. I try to get in on as many unders as I can. I think we talked about this last year and I didn't fare as well as uh, I have in years past. I think I won 16 and lost 10 and with like a minus 115 VIG. It's not not a tremendous profit, but um, money's money. I really do feel like. Yeah, but I mean, I feel like they're not factoring in. I don't even want to say this out loud, but I feel like they're not factoring in injuries. Everything is based on 17 games times the running backs average. They don't factor in injuries. They don't factor in someone just sitting out a couple of games just to sit out. And uh, and that's why I like the unders. And I feel like just with injuries, I'm I'm eight wins in by week 10. Well, that's you the think whole that's thing. stupid. No, I don't yeah. think it's stupid at all. I mean, when you're looking at player props and win totals and everything else, the casual fan goes in going, hey, look, in a best case scenario, my team or my favorite player can do X. They don't include mm -hmm. some of the unknowns. And we know the NFL is in a league where attrition is the number one word going into the season. So you're right. I mean, if you have a running back that misses a game or two, you're already sitting in a very advantageous position, especially with some of the star power that's out there. And they're certain positions, obviously, that are much more predisposed to injury than others uh, and running back being the number one out there. I just wanted to make sure that you were accounting for that 17th game sale, that you weren't running into some of these markets going, oh, these totals are way too high going. Wait a second. They play an extra game now. I should no, probably build that into some of my forecasts and yes. prognostications. Well, well, the play, yeah. The players haven't worked it in either, by the way. They're like, yeah, yeah. We, I'm still signed up for 16. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to sit. But uh, it is funny, though. I talked. I don't think I discussed this with you. But so um, NFL, it's like they have, you know, rushing yards over under. They'll have uh, in um, in baseball, they'll have like home runs or strikeouts over under for a season total. How did they know in basketball that everybody was going to sit 15 games? Because for as long as I can remember, it's never been total points. It's always average points per game. But how did they know 40 years ago that this was uh, the way to go? Hey, I mean, I look, we talk about, uh, you know, load management and everything else that goes into it all the time. So it definitely makes things more challenging for odds makers when they want to go with averages instead of you know, the total mm -hmm. numbers that are out there because it builds in a safeguard for them and a guardrail, so to speak, in that sport, probably more than anything else. I mean, baseball players aren't getting load management. NHL players are out there trying to do everything they can. Should they be healthy? And NFL players, other than taking, you know, a week 18 game off, if their team is right. in a good spot for a playoff positioning. I mean, the NBA is the one sport. Although, you know, it's funny because we talk about the NBA and we say all the time, it's just about getting into the playoffs. Look, a number one seed went on to win the NBA championship yet again with the Denver Nuggets. So there's a little bit to be yeah. said about continuity and everything else that factors in. You clearly need the overall health of your roster, but maybe it's not the same behemoth that we've seen in the past. But I think we're going to start to see superstars sit even more in the NBA, you know, going forward. Is that right? It's 15, wow. 20 games, but. You know, look, what do I know? Why it's, is that? It's a sport. Why do, why do you think that? I just feel like, I mean, these te teams all believe that they have to have their rosters healthy, like every sport does. And if there's a de-emphasis mm -hmm. on the regular season and just getting in for every, oh, well, the Denver Nuggets were the one seed in the West and earned their way to the finals, you're going to get people on the flip side that go, look at the Miami Heat. They were in the play-in game. Sure. They lost the first time and it really didn't matter. And it's why terms like playoff Jimmy Butler get thrown about. 
look, the guys are out there playing with a different level of intensity. And that's why you see totals come down considerably during the playoffs Mm -hmm. versus the regular season. People talk, you know, oh, well, it's the rule changes. The shooters are that much better. No, no one's playing defense during the regular season. These guys are good enough when they get wide open jumpers, they're going to knock them down. It's not just suddenly the game completely changes and you go from an average total in the high two thirties to playoff games where you're lucky to see both teams get to a hundred. Right. You, uh, it's funny. You have a love hate relationship with trends. I noticed over the years working with you because I feel when we give analysis and we're on the spot and you have 45 seconds to say why you like, um, Jokic to get a, a triple double, um, you're going to have to find the trend that says, if you do like it, if you like the pro, you're gonna have to say, yeah, he's, um, he's had a triple double eight of the last time, 10 road games and he's on the road tonight. And so I like it, but I, I also feel like if I say that you would be like, well, that's baked into the line. And so I'm going the other way. So, um, which trends do you think are most overrated in terms of analysis? I mean, I think short sample sizes are always going to be overrated. And, and unless there's something that's unique in a trend or statistical analysis that you're trying to look for, you know, something that's out there that, you know, I used to ascribe to, and I haven't run the numbers on it will before football season where, you know, teams that lose by 30 points, you know, that are home underdogs the following week used to be something that I'd bet into blindly. There's some logic involved in all of that, that it's a league in the NFL where public perception plays a huge role. You have professional athletes that were embarrassed. They're going to come home. They're not going to lay an egg in front of their home fans. They're undervalued in the betting market. And it makes some sense along that particular train of thought to be fully involved in that situation. Now I look at some of the baseball trends that are out there. You know, team a is, you know, 15 and two in game one of a series when you play on a Monday night, like what does that mean? They're going to church on Sundays. They're spending quality time with their families and that's right. why they're more focused and engaged. So a lot of those things that people use to kind of predicate gambling decisions, I think are fool's gold. And you always want to caution people against that because yeah, the numbers are fluid. The numbers do evolve. Uh, and it's a dynamic market that if there was any inconsistency there, that if mainstream media is talking about it, Pretty sure the odds makers have figured that out three to five games earlier. And a lot of that stuff is baked into some of the numbers that they're hanging. But on the other hand, if 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 Harry gets hit by a car every time he crosses Las Vegas Boulevard, right? If at eight out of the last time, 10 times he's tried, he's he's got hit. He's got clipped. You'd say, yeah, well, that's baked into the odds for the 11th time. And I'm like, yeah, but this guy can't cross the effing road. Like what? The, I'm still going. Yes. Right. So. Who's right? Who's wrong? I mean, it depends well, on the it's price. A lot of car damage too. A lot yeah, of car damage. Just, yeah, exactly. A lot of totaled cars. Sure. I mean, look, we know Harry's judgment is piss poor in the grand scheme of it. So, I mean, using oh, Harry as the litmus test for all this stuff is a little bit more problematic uh, in some of it. But okay. look, there are situations uh, that are out there, and I mean, you look at you know the NBA Finals, for example. We have seen a rash of first half unders in those games, and the logic makes some sense that because these games are tighter, they're officiated a little bit looser as a result there's going to be opportunities and they're going to slant towards being lower scoring games. But if you have enough public money that's coming in, betting the other way, odds makers don't have to adjust mm-hmm. accordingly and something similar in the NHL. I mean, you look at game sevens, you know, if you blindly bet unders in game seven, even in the current construct of the NHL where the emphasis is entirely on offense, you're going to put yourself in a positive expectation. And it's why I tell right. people when it comes to, you know, NBA game seven totals, even if you feel the number is a little bit low, you bet it under as soon as the number comes out and then figure out what to do with that, that particular ticket after it moves two or three points. If you want to come back over the top, 
play a middle or take the other side because you think the market has overreacted a little bit too much. Really? All right. But, but when Harry says like the Patriots have uh, beaten the Panthers at night, they haven't lost to the Panthers at night in, uh, once in 28 years, you say, okay, but they've only played twice yeah. in 28 it, years. It, night, it, right? You it, don't exactly like that. Yeah. right. I mean, yeah. look, Sal, I've watched okay. enough of Harry's videos over the last couple of years since the launch <laughs> of the Extra Points Network. Anytime yeah. Harry is trying to sneak a trend in there from some <laughs> exotic location, whether it's a zoo, <laughs> whether it's hot tub time machine or anything else that he's doing, I'm always going to listen with a and take it with a grain of salt that that's the justification yeah. that Harry's using to arrive at a very conscious fair. financial decision. Very fair, Todd. But let me just make a statement where Sal does know this over the past two years. Again, over the past two years, on extra points, NFL against the spread. The H-Dog is 75 games over 500 the last two years in the NFL against the spread. I'm just I'm gonna, I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. I'm going to need to see full documentation, verification, documentation and everything else that's proof. there. And you know what the craziest part about that number, Sal, is he may be 75 yeah. games over 500 in the NFL. He's 115 games under 500 when it comes to betting the WNBA, soccer, Major League Baseball, and everything, everything else. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, the summer is brutal. The summer is baseball brutal for Harry. Baseball, oh. I will say you, you know, you, you mentioned Harry's videos and you don't discriminate for him. And when you talk about half naked um, sports gambling analysis on, um, on Twitter, mm. whether they're men or women, no, I um, mean, look, you're, you're, yes. we are in an equal opportunity <laughs> society and we never right. know what kind of things people are looking for um, when it comes to getting their gambling information, whether it's a half naked Harry, whether it's a half naked co-ed <laughs> or anything else, different strokes for different folks. And we like to be all inclusive. I like that. By the way, Harry has an online troll. We won't name him or her. Actually, I think it's multiple people. Um, but, you know, this person or people love pointing out when Harry loses. Harry was recently, as you mentioned, never when I went. Four, never when I went. Four and 17 over his last 21 or something. And this guy <laughs> or girl was right there for it every step of the way. Do you have any advice for Harry? Because it really, really gets to him. Yeah, you should probably take away his wife's cell phone because I'm thoroughly convinced that's who it's all coming from. <laughs> just so she can chop him down a peg when Harry comes home. When he goes through these winning streaks and he pounds his chest and acts like he's a silverback gorilla in the sports betting community, it's these kind of runs that his wife needs to remind him that, Harry, you're only as good as your last win or losing streak, and that's exactly why we're chopping you back down to Todd, seven. Todd, I can, I think take, I can take losses. It's better than most people can. But when somebody posts, like if I had a, I had a recently over eight and a half, I had, a, excuse me, under eight and a half in a baseball game, and it's 4-4 in the seventh inning. So I'm going to lose unless all of a sudden a, a, a massive thunderstorm comes in uh, in Anaheim <laughs> when, they, when yeah. I had the Angel game. <laughs> Which is not going to happen, right. but four four, I'm going to lose. But does the person have to post it at in the seventh inning on Twitter, knowing yes. that I've already lost? I mean, look, Harry. <laughs> I mean, for wow. me, that's the for me that's the eternal optimist and being glass half full guy here. The fact that somebody is that committed to knowing exactly what's going on in your games in real time, right. they're not that's even waiting until the next morning or the game to go final. They're taking oh. the moment that eighth run crossed the plate and the game's not <laughs> up at four to jump right in and right. race you over the coals. Is, I that, wish, you should, is, that, is that an issue? Is, I mean, I, I wish people felt that strongly about me right. in the negative direction on social media. I mean, Sal knows as well as anybody, it's better I to be start. completely loved or completely hated. The last thing that exactly. you want to do is elicit ambivalence from your audience. So, you know, I think you got to turn that around, bottle it, 
and use that hater aid to try and get you exactly. over the hump to take you from 75 it's to 150 games above 500. Understood. Well, his, when I go nine and one of my last 10, yes. the guy's invisible. Well, yes. that's we a, don't know it's a guy. You don't yeah, know. I mean, that's, it is actually invisible. Yeah, it is, is actually wife. invisible. Maybe it is. Yes, you do have to. Yeah, you have to be hated. By the way, our our buddy Clay Travis was hated, and he he sold his soul to the devil and sold his company to Fox <laughs> and had made a lot of money. Well, Same price, actually. I mean, look, yeah. here's the one thing that's different about what he does now versus what he did in the past. When yeah. he would make up narratives around sports, there was at least a scoreboard that would tell him he was right or wrong. Oh, now yeah, you're afforded yeah. the luxury to consistently move the goalposts <laughs> and continually change the storylines once they don't yeah. fit what you're trying to sell. So Clay ultimately found a space that was much more conducive for record keeping uh, and operating That's in true. shades of gray than sports betting, where it's true black and white. Everything is either a win or a loss, or in case uh, of Harry, rooting for rain delays in Southern California. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yes. Well, the devil gave Clay uh, good stock options, I think, when he sold his soul. So maybe, maybe Harry could get the same deal. All right, let's take another quick break, and we'll be back to wrap up with uh, Todd Furman. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle tonight la quinta tomorrow you shine book direct at lq.com all right we have to talk about players gambling um calvin ridley the falcons at the time was suspended a year in the nfl for gambling on nfl and i don't know other sports colts cornerback isaiah rogers most recent culprit um now we have the entire detroit lions team basically <laughs> under investigation <laughs> And, you know, I get the integrity of the game is at stake. I get it all, especially when buffoons like Harry are screaming fix every time the Chiefs win a Super Bowl. It's not good, right? You got to have things tightened up. But on the other hand, when you hear the bets are only for $25, $50, that kind of matters, doesn't it, Furman? What's the appropriate punishment? You know, my whole take on it, and it's not going to be popular because people are going to tell me I'm a hypocrite and all of that. I actually would prefer mm -hmm. a policy across the board when it comes to pro athletes that they're not able to bet, period. I don't care if you're an NFL mm -hmm. player betting Major League Baseball, you're betting Australian hockey, you're betting the World Cup. There's no reason when you've been afforded that privilege in life that if they take something away from you in terms of being able to bet that you have to you know, scream bloody murder because all it takes, and unfortunately, guys, this is the dark side of sports betting. We've been around people where the $25 bets turn into $250, turn into $2,500. And then if you're a professional athlete and say, for example, you're a fifth round draft pick in the NFL, your career earnings for three years aren't exactly going to set you up for life. But what can you do? You can enact change on a game or share information with nefarious personalities that are out there. And I think that's why the league from an optics standpoint has to take such a strong stance to say there's going to be zero tolerance in all of this stuff. 
And for mm. me, I just go, look, you don't, if you're a professional athlete, you don't need a bet and you can wait till your career is over to be able to take advantage. If the league wants to allow players to enter in NCAA tournament pools, you know, amongst the teams is this team sponsored bonding activity or a master's pool, whatever it may be. Look, I get it completely, but I just think it's a slippery slope. It's a gray area. And then of course you have conspiracy theorists like Chris Sims that are out there claiming that, you know, the biggest books out there are intentionally marketing to players because they know they're young and they know they're reckless looking for, you know, the dopamine drive and everything no else. Way. You know, what the hell is the difference? You know, if you look at it in that context if a player loses that much to a sports book operator or they piss money away on cars that are depreciating assets. So for me, I would just get rid of sports betting entirely and say, this is a zero tolerance policy. Wow. It's a privilege to be a professional athlete. You can go to casinos, you can play blackjack, you can play dice, whatever else it may be. But as long as you're a member of this league, whatever it may be, we don't want you betting on sports in any capacity as much to protect the integrity of the league and keep you out of trouble above all else. I, I, Yes, I, I'm 75% on your side. I get it. I, I know it's bad, but I don't think like every employee of the NFL network can't step into a casino or anything. It goes a little far. It really does. And also, I think the league does a really good job of, you know, policing this stuff. Like if, if there's all of a sudden $75,000 on an Alabama baseball game, they're like, whoa, whoa, time out. Yeah. Something's up here. They're going to get busted. Like, I don't know if any head coach can get away with it. Like Nick Saban, Alabama coach could get away with it. Um, but he's paid too much to move the dial. Right. It's how much $7 million on a national championship game. Is that really going to have yeah, to be? I mean, the look, thing is like, I, I don't know if anyone could really pull it off. Right. That's the whole thing. I mean, it's not going to happen around the superstars of the league. I mean, no Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen is going to go out there and try and bet NFL games and risk everything that they're doing there. Uh, mm -hmm. By any stretch. And I can understand, you know, the other side of the argument, Hey, these are small dollar amounts. Why is it a big deal when the league has clearly said that they're in partnership and working to take dollars from sports book operators as a result? Right. So I get it, but where does that threshold come in and exactly how do you go about making sure that people are adhering to it? But to your point, Sal, I think, you know, everyone that goes, Oh, well, this is a negative ramification of legalized sports betting where I'm on the exact opposite side. I'm saying, look, the checks and balances and the safeguards that they've put in place are clearly working if they're catching people for these low denominations with mm -hmm. the geolocating and Calvin Ridley betting in his own name in the state of Florida, then things are working that way. And for me, I'd rather have these situations unfold than something where we're talking about match fixing and something significantly more nefarious, because when that ultimately starts and can potentially infiltrate North American sports, we have a real problem and something that has to be addressed. Because we know throughout Europe, they've dealt with match fixing scandals in a variety of capacities. And, you know, let's hope that that never happens, that it's just players actually betting games, yeah. not doing any things to impact the actual on field results. And I think public opinion, as soon as this happens to a Calvin Ridley or an Isaiah Rogers, most people feel bad for that player. Like, oh, come on. What, what's the difference? And like you, you and know, I know what the regulators can do. They're like, they could be sons of bitches and this can be over like that. You know what I mean? Well, so and that's the whole uh, thing. We do have to put a check and, on it. And I yeah. get it. Like we're in a world right now where everyone in corporate America is the enemy, like whatever business policies they want to try and enact and you know what they do. Mm -hmm. But look, it, it's a privilege to be employed. We all sign employment contracts contracts in some capacities right. when you work for a company. You can't go on your Facebook page and blast your boss. That should be grounds for termination. I get it. 
um, for, for how some of those things work. What Harry says about you, Sally, puts on Twitter so you can always see it. So it's not like he's doing anything behind your back. <laughs> exactly. Um, That's right. But, you know, the, look, I mean, you sign employment contracts and how a lot of these things have to try and unfold and people have to adhere to them in some capacities. I mean, I dealt with some of it when I was, you know, behind the counter. Like there were certain topics that I couldn't, couldn't talk about, you know, in a public forum mm. because I had access to information that made it a little bit of a liability and it wasn't going to be great, you know, for the casino as a whole where things got to be more challenging was I'm a fan of sports and they go, well, you work in the sports book. You can't talk about sports. Mm -hmm. I go, what the hell am I going to talk to people about when I leave the office? Like I'm not sharing financial <laughs> figures, but if I want to have an opinion on a football game, like you can't tell me I can't post that on social media or, or in any capacity. So when I look at it, look, I understand where the league's coming from. I understand the court of public opinion and all of that. Uh, but I have no problem. If players want to go out there and smoke pot, I have a little bit of a difference of opinion when, you know, we're talking about sports betting and the potential negative impact that can come from all of this from an optic standpoint and the overall integrity right. of the game if things continue to deteriorate. I'm with you uh, there mostly. Um, Harry, you have uh, some concerns about some of these other states that aren't uh, getting on board here. Yeah, just curious, Todd. As of uh, January of 2023, 30 states were on board and had legal uh, sports betting, which includes Washington, D.C. Just curious to see what you think of what states are next and when – when is Florida, Texas, and California finally going to become legal? It's a great question. So we have a couple other states that have been added to that list. Most recently, uh, North Carolina and Vermont have bills that are going to be passed. They don't have actual betting available for their residents just yet, but it's coming in due time. But you mentioned the three big states, and I think that's what everybody is anxious to try and see from an operator standpoint to everything else. Florida, I'm the most optimistic about. I think it's the closest of those three states. They have to try and work through their tribal compact. The fact that they were able to at least start sports betting before they put a stop to it speaks to how close they can be and they'll get the right powers to be able to push that through. Texas for me, and this isn't to get political, leaves me scratching my head on a variety of fronts because they had a bill that was all set and ready to pass but you had a Republican-led House that said, no, we're not going to pass anything that's going to benefit the Democrats. Last I checked, guys, it doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat. In the state of Texas, you want to bet the Houston Texans, you want to bet the Dallas Cowboys, and you want to bet the Texas right. Longhorns. So the fact that we're letting, you know, what side of the aisle this bill was introduced on in Texas really divide the state is still mind-boggling to me. So we'll let Texas handle their own problems. And in the state of California, it... it boils down to, you know, tribal impact as well. How some of the big operators can work with the tribes, whether it's land-based casinos, that they'll take sports bets over the counter, will there be a mobile component of it? And I look back at, you know, some of the bills that you, the state of California had on the ballot uh, in November. I mean, I was as confused as anybody trying to read some of the yeah, language was that was there, the commercials that they were circulating on baseball games and basketball games and all that. Like if I was a resident in California, I'd have no idea what the hell was going on uh, at any juncture of the game. So I think it's in everybody's benefit to pull in the same direction. We know it's coming sooner rather than later. And the state protections that they have to put in place are significantly better than what Sal and I made fun of, where they have self-reporting mechanisms that if you're betting offshore, you can report yourself. Uh, yeah, because everyone is going to do that because they're all good Samaritans. Well, but the bigger picture for that is that California, you know, they don't think it's going to pass anytime soon. So they're going to have to make some money off of this one way or another. So they're going to look the other way. Right. Yep. And the then DOJ? you keep, you keep yeah. offshore operators in business uh, a lot longer. And yeah. Yeah. Know, here in Nevada, we obviously benefit because people from Southern California that want to bet sports legally are going to drive across the border and spend weekends sure. in Las Vegas uh, for big time sporting events. But 
Yeah. I mean, Harry, if I'm setting odds, I would say Florida is a heavy favorite of that particular trio to legalize first. And then between Texas and California, as ridiculous as it sounds, I'd make Texas a slight favorite in a head to head above California, mm. honestly, because I think let me of, put it this way. <laughs> yeah. O- o- over under one and a half more bills before <laughs> California. I mean, what, when's passes. the next time it'll appear on the ballot, Sal? Is it, you know, in the president? 2036. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I don't know. It's, so it's bad. By the time you're a grandfather, you'll be able to teach your grandkids exactly <laughs> why they should be playing three and four team parlays of the single game parlay <laughs> variety instead of making straight bets. So you'll be all set and ready I'll to roll. I have no then. money by then for sure. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't see it happening anytime soon here. I really don't. It's so screwed up. And they're so not close to it, and um, no. and certainly didn't help you going to Sacramento to um, hey, look, argue on. I our mean, behalf. I tried to move yeah. the state forward as fast as I possibly could. I mean, they pulled me up yeah. there. Uh, the best part was you had a major state senator that didn't care as much about my opinions on the bill and legalization there. He just wanted to know what I th- thought about the 49ers and their playoff prospects wow. during their postseason run. So I know really? those gambling no, roots run yeah. deep in the state of California, but uh, unfortunately for all you guys. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure you're going to be able to do it on your mobile phone in the legal variety anytime in the near future. Well, I hate to end this on a on a down, but uh, we can make fun downer, of Harry again, though, and really turn this oh, into yeah, an uplifting let's make podcast if we well, want. Well, well, give us advice for Furman because I make fun of your advice on Twitter because uh, it's mostly ridiculous. But I know it's helpful. What 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 can <laughs> what advice can you give betters? Heading into the football season. All right. Best advice I'll give you. And it's something that Sal will never ascribe to uh, until, you know, brimstone and hellfire rain rain down on all of us. Whatever you want to bet in football, set aside a bankroll that you feel comfortable losing completely. It will create a much more enjoyable experience for you uh, to go. This is money that I've set aside. It's there for entertainment purposes only uh, above all else. And, you know, if I lose all the money, it's not the end of the world. If I win, great. I have a little bit extra. Uh, But yeah, separate your bankroll from everything else you're doing. Don't use your rent money. Don't use your money for entertainment or some of the other pursuits that are there. Dedicate a portion of money that you feel comfortable losing betting football, and you'll have a much more enjoyable experience, especially if you're tailing all of Cousin Sal's picks throughout the fall. Is he done, Harry? Is he done? Can I uncover? <laughs> yeah, it's good. Done. Good. He is? Okay. Yeah. Little job at the end. Sure. Don't worry about it, Harry, Sal. Harry, no, you know what the, be- you know what the best part yeah. about that is when Sal does it? Because th- this go on video or just only go audio for you guys? We'll go maybe video for that little segment. So, you know, the best ahead, part yeah. that people notice and hopefully they pick up with the video, Sal doesn't take his AirPods out. He covers up his ears. <laughs> he's still got the AirPods and asking when the whole thing's over. So I'm not confident that I'll be able to fit them back into my weird ears afterwards. So That's I think uh, I'm good for once a day with that. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I, um, I respect that. Hey, listen, we had Jeff Schwartz and Dave Damashek do a, a cursory preview of college football on Minus 3 podcast, picking winners in each conference, and I encourage people to go listen to that. But you really zone in on each individual team in each conference, and I think your ACC preview is up already. You're, you're the guy who's done Christmas shopping in late <laughs> August, and I hate you for it, but uh, is that right? Was the ACC the last one you had up? Yep. We uh, we just released the ACC preview. So this podcast you said will drop on Tuesday. It means the Big Ten will be out uh, tomorrow. And we've actually mm-hmm. done all of the group of five previews as well. So if people find themselves fans of UTEP or Coastal Carolina, breakdowns to the Sun Belt, Conference USA, the American Athletic, and everything else out there. So while I can't offer up conference predictions that I'm that confident in like the rest of the guys, I will give you one, Sally, and it won't be a favorite. Go ahead. So, the American Athletic Conference, I like SMU quite a bit, right around a price of five to one. So 
a little really? pony, a little pony power in Dallas. I think SMU can be a team to beat uh, in the American Athletic Conference this year. So that'll be can one that I'll offer. Imagine for you. the third week in June having an opinion like that, Harry. SMU. I mean, it's it's he's gone through all the conferences and non and power conferences, and that that's that's the pick. You have to write that down, Harry. It's legendary. That. SMU got it down. By the way, Todd, what do you yeah. got for what do you got for my Syracuse? Uh, you know what? Uh, I'm interested to see, you know, what happens. I think they delayed the inevitable a little bit, keeping Dino Babers around with their improbable run to a bowl game last year. I like Eric Schrader uh, at quarterback. I think he's a true gamer, but that roster, yeah, roster top to bottom scares me a bit. And when you look at their win total, I mean, if they get to a bowl game again this year, Harry, <laughs> uh, I really think that would be a massive achievement. But uh, look, I mean, they don't call it the Harvard of upstate New York, you know, for no reason. So I mean, we'll see if those rigorous academic standards uh, keep them from remaining football relevant and worst case scenario. I'm sure Paul Pasqualoni out there somewhere would be more than happy yeah, to try and come in love it. and uh, restore love that it. program to the rightful heights it achieved under the leadership of Donovan McNabb. Furman, I want to give you a free bet here. I, I have to say one of the most uh, pleasing moments. Oh, I guess this was my biggest hit of, of the year. I, I I put a few bucks on. That's the one thing about living in a state where you can't bet legally and then going back to a state where you can. I, Unbeknownst to me, I had forgotten I had an Astros um, Chiefs parlay to win championship. And I got back and there was like $4,000 in my Caesars account. It's way better than finding a 20 in your jacket um, when you put it on for the winter. But anyway, in Arizona, right? So- yes, it was in Arizona. But uh, I want to give you a free bet. You could do the Grand Slam sports picks, um, all four major sports, or you could take two. I'm going to put it in for you. You could, uh, your beloved 49ers, the, the, you could pick the I'm Henderson off, Knights. I'm off the 49ers bandwagon this year. I, I mean, I, I am off the bandwagon this year. I think they're actually priced appropriately for the first time in a while. Uh, and I actually yeah. anticipate some under money coming in, you know, at their win total at the books that are as high as 11 and a half. Well, this is for a championship though. We're just, we're doing, um, just winners. So like, uh, Niners to win the Super Bowl with the Dodgers to win the world series or something like that. You have two that you can give me, you, you know, three what? Or four. H- Harry, part of me is conflicted yeah. here because uh, I think about teams that I should put in there and I feel like I should put the Cowboys in there as one leg, not because <laughs> I believe it's actually going to happen. But because if it doesn't, I can pick on Sal every single week and say, look, well, you just pick uh, who you like. Your, 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 stu- your just, stupid team is costing me money. So, all right. Let's just hope, Todd, that they don't get Dalvin Cook, though. Don't get Dalvin Cook. That would I mean, be terrible. They're, they're going to run a sign Ezekiel Elliott again. He's going to take a, a franchise-friendly deal. He's going to come in 65 pounds overweight, and he's going to play a fullback position uh, instead of a legitimate running back. So, all right. The NHL just ended. So we haven't gone through free agency or anything like that. So let's start Mm -hmm. with my beloved hockey. We'll go with the New Jersey Devils as, you know, one one leg there. And so what other sports am I looking for? Uh, Well, the the others, all the others. Baseball, (laughs) football, and the NBA. The Devils are 13 to one right now. You know what? Hockey's such a... Let's live live dangerously. Let's go Devils in the NHL. And let's mm-hmm. take the Jaguars in the NFL. So those will be the two teams there. Because really? We're not going to take short prices there. We're not going to have a chance to earn off of this at all. And I'm not going to give mm-hmm. you Team USA to win the Women's World Cup as a massive favorite <laughs> that I know you'll be heavily invested in throughout July and August. So 363 to one Devils Jaguars. That'll be a nice hit. All right. All let's, right. Let's, let's see what we can do. And, and uh, Put, you know, if that does come home to roost, on that, if that does yeah. come home to roost. We're going to upstate New York and we're going to pick onions with Harry's brother. That's how we're going to spend <laughs> our go. quality let's time go. together. 500 gets you $181,000, right? Or somewhere in that uh, area. I mean, I, 
trying to do the math real quick. You're not betting 500 on this. Five bucks is, no. five bucks is enough no, to try no. and get down. I'm giving you more than five. I want to give you more than five. See, Caesars, uh, may, my, Caesars may kick you out of your account. You could be a band patron going forward if this thing comes home mm-hmm. to roost. So. Mikey Meatballs, you shared a meal with Mikey Meatballs not long ago. Meatballs, a big hockey fan. What do you think of that Devils pick? You hate that. Got to see what they do first in the offseason, but it, I don't think it's a terrible pick. 13 to 1 is not bad. Really? Okay. All right. I mean, well, yeah, what's a terrible pick in hockey? You can't, at this point, you really can't say it after the Bruins. <laughs> I bet really the Blackhawks to win the Stanley Cup might be a terrible pick or the Winnipeg oh, yeah. Jets. Those two might be yeah. uh, basically lighting your money on fire. Or the Maple Leafs at that, uh, very, for that very, matter. Very good, good right. point. Utility uh, personified uh, there for a franchise. Todd Furman. God, I, I, I missed the hell out of you. Uh, uh, do they know if we're coming back season six? Have they made a decision? I, you know what? Charlie I, I hear no, no, Vegas yes. could be on the table for March Madness season <laughs> six. So uh, oh, good. Okay. keep me posted when you hear an update and we'll see what we can do. We'll get the gang back together and uh, be able to make something work. I love it. I, I, I miss you. I don't miss watching NASCAR on a, a Sunday. I, just having what? to go Gary, through that. That bothers I really me more than anything else, knowing that I can't have a hand <laughs> in ruining every single Sunday for cousin Sal uh, when it comes to NASCAR, thinking that he had weeks. One, I hated it. And boom, yeah. here comes a driver top three, top five that he'd never heard of at a 15 to one price tag to completely wreck his weekend. And like Todd, at four thirty, five o'clock on a Sunday, you weren't done in the off, you know, off, off a of football season. Always like, leave I yourself really have out. To sit this out. Always leave yourself. <laughs> Don't think, don't think that there was times where I'm sure you had probably other selections, other picks from other sports that you actually probably liked more. But knowing that you could have Sal on the ropes, having to watch on Sunday through uh, weather, whether it was uh, whatever it was with NASCAR, that you had to have Sal watch and it was late in the afternoon. It was. It made your day, and I'm sure it Wor- did. worth its weight in gold. If I could sure. make Sal miserable sure. for an entire weekend, that was worth its weight in gold. Bingo. I do feel you bad for his lovely boys and his wife, though, who had to endure, you know, <laughs> sad Sal moping around the house on weeks that he thought he had things. You know what? Done push back in time, dinners, from lunches, push back because he's got to watch the end of the NASCAR and go absolutely how many uh, checkered flags and other flags NASCAR. By the way, I, I did. I, I'm not gonna lie. I did bet uh, one NASCAR race. It was a Coca-Cola 500, right? Did I bet Hamlin? Who who wrecked with uh, 30 laps to go? I think yeah, it was. I, I think it was probably. 10. It was probably the 600. I think uh, that, that you yeah. bet over Memorial Day weekend. Was it Hamlin? Probably. Was, that, was he the one that? Yes. He, uh, I, I had top 10 on one of those same game parlays, um, minus 650 or something. He was third or fourth, 30, 40 laps ago. And sure enough, uh, up in flames. So it's yeah, pretty much how it goes. Uh, no NASCAR bet is ever safe until they re- uh, wave that checkered flag. Whether there's five laps to go, 10 laps to go. Yeah. It's one of the things that uh, makes the sport great. But at the same time, we'll leave you pulling your hair out. Thankfully for Harry, when he was get working under the gas gagna name, he had no hair to pull out, so he was perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah, it was all burnt off yeah. in, a, in a crash. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, bet the board podcast, H, HQ, CBS HQ. No no NHL puck line for a minute, right? Nope, no NHL coverage now. We got, uh, I think, what, about 100 days until the season will start up again. I am more than yeah. happy to take a brief hiatus from that, uh, focus <laughs> on football and get things rolling again for the fall. So man, the sports calendar these days seems to stop for nobody, but I guess it's a good problem to have for all of us in the business. Furman, congratulations. Thank you for coming on. Congrats on the wedding and the parents moving close by. I know that's a lot of fun. I know, uh, firsthand that that's a great joy and, uh, and now it's all yours. <laughs> hey, I, I appreciate that guys. Always good to come on talk sports and we'll have to do it a little bit more often, but enjoy your off season gentlemen. And it's a crying shame that everybody else had the day off here 
and I had to listen to you two knuckleheads <laughs> basically carry the entire show. <laughs> Sorry. We'll make it up to you. Love you too, All Tom. right. <laughs> See you, buddy. Thanks. Na, 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 na.